Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. We've talked a lot about targeting on the podcast. For this episode, we move to the next step, which is qualifying opportunities. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. To learn more about how Skyway's team of former contracting officers can help you, visit askskyway.com and schedule a time to talk to Kevin directly. Okay, let's get started with our conversation about qualifying opportunities. In the government market, the number of opportunities that are available to bid can be overwhelming. Even the targeted opportunities. I mean, if you search through USA Spending or, or federalbusinessopportunities.gov for, you know, for contracts in a specific industry, even if you narrow it down, the results can be dozens or even hundreds of RFPs, RFIs, et cetera. Unless you're a large, diverse company you know, with a team of capture and business development people to track all of them, that usually ends up in what they call that the paralysis analysis, or you can't pick right. one and you end, up, you end up doing nothing. It's it's way too much to digest and impossible to follow up on on all of those potential opportunities. So what to do? That's the question, right? The best way is to have a lens from which you can view these opportunities. After you've narrowed them down, have a lens you can quickly qualify or disqualify the ones you should invest your time in going after. There's a lot of names for this kind of process, gate reviews, qualification scores. In my company, we have what's called a milestone process that takes you through a successive number of milestones, gates, whatever, and narrows down the opportunities as you go so you don't spend too much time on the wrong things. This is an area that, as a contracting officer, I thought people just had this figured out. I thought that when I posted something on FBO, the right people would just find it because they were all just looking, right? Because my, my opportunity was the only one they were looking at. It's, it would be easy, right? And it turns out this is an area that a lot of contractors struggle with. A lot of the companies I talk to, this this idea of there is a sea of opportunities they're trying to find the right ones in, that's a big challenge. That's why today we're going to talk about qualifying opportunities. Before we do that, let's stop and say thanks. I want to say thanks to Charlton Goodwin. Uh, he's a contract administrator at Companion Data Services in Columbia, South Carolina. That's also a new pin on the map. I don't think we have any other listeners there. We'd like to thank Charlton for liking and sharing our content on LinkedIn. Because the best way for people to find this content that we're giving away for free is for folks like Charlton to share it. So thanks for that. Thanks, Charlton. Today, we're talking about qualifying opportunities. We've talked a lot about targeting. Targeting is step one. So episodes 16, 68, 102, and probably 15 other episodes we've talked about targeting. One of your favorite topics, Kevin. It is. Targeting is about first finding your reachable market. Which is everything you could do. Then narrow that down to your target market. Right, and that's everything you should do. And then think about it from the perspective of your weight class. And that's everything you actually can do. And when that's still not targeted enough, because there could be a lot of opportunities in your weight class, the next step is to get serious about qualifying opportunities. I was helping a customer with their qualification process. and We have an RFP scoring system we use for that. And I realized that many of the questions that we got through the podcast from podcast listeners can be traced back to this qualification step. So let's go over a couple of the questions people should ask in this episode. One way to think about qualification is to base it on the government's acquisition plan. The contents of an acquisition plan, how you know what questions the government's asking themselves, is in FAR 7.105. 
It walks you through the elements of the written acquisition plan. And this FAR 7.105, that's actually the basis of the RFP score that we use for our customers. So not everyone needs a scoring system, but understanding what questions to ask is a big advantage. I work for a very large company, and we have a very formal process for qualifying opportunities. For me, the initial qualification comes down to a couple of simple questions. Does this opportunity fit into our strategic plan? Do we have the qualifications to win? You know, if it's small business set aside, large business, not going to, not going to win, not even going to be evaluated. You know, do we have the past performance? Do we have the facilities or the people available to do this? One question I always ask is, can we actually deliver on this on schedule and on budget or is some kind of miracle required? And if a miracle is required, let's maybe pass on this one. One important question which you may not know if you're a small business, but in the large business world for the big opportunities, you have a much better chance of understanding the playing field here. You need to understand whether this opportunity is already locked in for another company. Is there an incumbent? Is there somebody else that dominates this market? Is there someone else that's been in the customer's ear the whole time that the requirement is written for them? If it is, you may still want to bid to strategically to get your ideas out in front of the customer but you're probably not going to win. And it's good to know that up front before you make the decision on whether or not to bid. But big picture, if I don't know about it before the government asks for input via an, an RFI, a, a request for information, or some type of question and answer process, or even a draft RFP, if I haven't heard about it before then, I really need to think twice about whether I'm going to bid. Whatever qualification process you use, even the large business perspective, it's not something you do once. Qualification is done over and over again. Uh, these questions, they're not binary. You have multiple answers to them. There's a, there's a degree to how competitive is it. I mean, yes, the incumbent has lined it up in your last question. Does that mean you don't bid? Like you said, it depends. So there's a degree of correctness to a qualification process. And as time goes on, your answers might change, probably will change as you learn more information. So definitely need to be on a constant loop with qualification. And if, if your, your business development and capture process is correct, those, those answers should change because you're getting new information. So that, that's the purpose of it is to, is to evolve. We breezed through a FAR reference earlier without formally announcing FAR time. I think we've gotten out of that. We used to do that all the time with much drama that it's FAR time. We used to have a jingle for it. I think. <laughs> FAR 7105 is where the contents of a written acquisition plan lie. It states that the, the acquisition plan must address all technical, business, management, and other significant considerations that will control the acquisition. The reason we're mentioning 7105, this, this written acquisition plan, is because this is what the government is writing the plan to. And if you understand what they're writing the plan to, it's easier and more effective for you to qualify whether or not you can win under that plan. So that's why we're referencing 7105. Right. If you understand all the questions the government's asking themselves and you have an answer for them that's positive, you're ahead in the race. And, and FAR 7105 continues by saying the specific content of plans will vary depending on the nature, circumstances, and stage of the acquisition, which means each acquisition is unique. So whether, whatever scoring system you use, it's not fire once and forget. You have to keep evolving because the acquisition plan is going to be evolving. Here's an RFP. I qualified myself to bid on an RFP, which means I'm qualified for every RFP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a dangerous approach. <laughs>
at Skyway, when we're coaching our clients on which ones to go after, we, we have the four R's, the relationship, do you have a relationship with the customer, the resources, do you have the resources to actually deliver the response? Do you have, have the ability to actually respond effectively to the RFP and, and win it? And then revenue. Are you actually going to make any money from this contract? <laughs> All four of those count. Relationship, resources, response, and revenue. That, that's the big picture on the things that we focus on. And we have questions within each one of those, and we'll cover a few of those today. So let's talk about the relationship piece. What kind of questions do you ask yourself when you're considering bidding on something that are about your relationship with this customer? How confident are you that the government customer needs this requirement? Are you confident that this requirement will be awarded and fully funded after award throughout the life of the contract? And then your scoring process walks you through like a sort of a one to five scale. And at the bottom of the scale is we don't know whether this is funded or even how to find out if it's funded. At the top of the scale is yes, we absolutely know it will be funded because it's a recurring service or product that the government customer has bought for years. And we know that in the budget last year, there was money inserted to buy this. In between there is the range from, you know, one, we don't know anything about it to two. Hopefully we heard there's money to probably there's, it's partially funded, but they may not have money for the out years. We don't know about that to probably most likely it's going to be funded because the end user is really saying we need it. And it's a high priority requirement, you know, all the way up to, to yes, it's absolutely funded. So if you understand that, You've taken the first step to understanding whether it's worth bidding. If the answer is we don't know whether it's funded or even how to find out, ouch. Yeah, because what, what you're effectively saying is we're going to put together the effort to propose on something that we don't know if the government is actually going to buy. That That's the <laughs> – you want to avoid – it's a bad thing. Avoid that. Right. If they put out an RFP, if they get all the way to the RFP stage, they're most likely going to buy it because they have to have money set aside to actually release an RFP for something. It doesn't mean they're absolutely going to buy it. Crazier things have happened. But a lot of the time and money, and we've talked about this in many other podcasts, a lot of the time and money spent pursuing something is long before the RFP comes out. If you know early on that this one's iffy, you can save yourself a lot of time and money, and it's that opportunity cost. You could spend your time and money on something that actually is funded, that you're, you're sure is funded. And this is very dangerous on like an an IDIQ contract, an indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity contract, we have podcasts about those, where the government is basically saying, we're going to buy up to 1,000 hours of this service, but they're only guaranteeing they're going to buy 10 hours. Well, what is the probability they're going to buy 900 versus buying you know, 50? Right. The difference between those two is huge. That's the purpose of this question is, do you know the gulf between 1,000 hours and, and 10 hours? Because the revenue to you is quite extreme. Yeah, we have a situation where this question comes in handy. We have a situation where there's a group within the Department of Defense that wants to buy some products from us. We know that the user wants it. The user is out in some far-flung place and has put it on their list of things that they absolutely need. High priority, they absolutely need it. But it's on a list with all kinds of other priority needs from other users. So we know the customer wants it. We know that there's money. We know that we're on the priority list but we don't know how much money there is to cover the priorities. So we may fall below that cut line where they bought their top priorities and they run out. We could be number four, but they may only have enough money for number three. So how much time and energy do you want to put into it? If you know all of those pieces of information that we know, and you know that you're number one or two on the priority list, that's one thing. 
If you know everything we know and you know that you're 27 on the priority list, that's another. And this helps you qualify this opportunity. Also helps you compare it to other things you spend your time on. If you have other opportunities where you know it's fully funded, et cetera, it's a different conversation because you've mentioned a lot of times you've only got so much, so many resources to go after opportunities. Let's talk about some other qualification questions. The next one is, does the customer know who you are? For example, have you talked to the user? Do they know you can deliver? And that goes back to the point you just made. That, cu that customer, you guys have talked to that customer. They want what you have because they know you can deliver it. Yep. So They've asked, how many of these can you deliver if we have the money? How many can you deliver this year because that's what we have the money for? And we said, this many. And the range of answers in here is... The, the, the bad answer, <laughs> the one is we just found this RFP and we don't know the agency beyond what's listed in the RFP. In other words, you found it on, on FedBizOps. Then the other extreme is we're the incumbent. The customer knows us well. They would recommend us and they may even pay a higher price for us. Nice. That, that's the place to be, right? I was buying an armored vehicle and one company made our list of our, our cut list because we did a limited competition. And they made the cut list and they ended up actually winning the contract through a competition. Another company who I didn't know where they were other than seeing some random marketing stuff from them. They didn't have any past performance. We didn't know them well enough for the program manager and, the, and our customers to be able to put them on the cut list to, to get into this, this competition. They called me after the contract was awarded and, you know, kind of, kind of let me have it about the fact that they weren't included in this list of companies that was competing for this, this uh, armored vehicle. And so they, the lesson there is that I had no idea who they were because they weren't qualifying the opportunities through us enough to say, this is what I do. When you have a requirement for this, I should be someone you call. And since they did, the companies that made the list did, that's why they made the list. And then the companies that we didn't, they could do it, but I had no idea who they were. So this is a little bit of marketing. This is a little bit of targeting, but this is a lot of, do you have a relationship with the customer well enough that they know who you are? Right. If, if you're answering no to all those questions, you, you may or may not have time to fix it. Does the customer know who you are? No. Go tell them. Have you talked to the user? No. Go talk to them. Do they know you can deliver? No. Well, go talk to them and prove to them that you can deliver. Then you make it onto the list, right? Sounds easy. You can't do that if you just found it posted on FedBizOps. Too late. Let's run through a couple more questions related to the relationship that you can ask during your qualification process. We'll switch to the contracting officer side. Have you engaged with the contracting officer for this requirement? For example, do you know who the CO is? Okay. Have you submitted a capability statement to that particular agency? Does does the government know your company? In other words, the, the, the business, the government CO perspective. Now, the customer, the last question was about the customer and the program manager, the user. This is about the business people. This is about the folks that say, yeah, I know they can do it because of, for example, your answer is number five. We know them well. They know us well. We're confident that we influence this requirement, performance work statement, or evaluation criteria in the RFP. That's the language of COs. But evaluation criteria, right. that's something the CO cares about. Now, the other extreme is the answer number one is we found this requirement on FBO, and we don't know the agency beyond what's listed in the RFP. By the way, that's the same answer as before because that's a problem. Yeah, that's it's just that's, found it. That. That's repeated over and over throughout the process. If you just found it and you don't know anything about it, good chance you should stop right there. When I was a contracting officer, one of the companies that, that we worked with consistently checked in with me as the CEO every, every three months. Like, yeah, they're, they're managing their contract, but they also would make a phone call to me, right? 
And as, as time played out, I had a better relationship with them to be able to communicate things like what are the evaluation criteria going to be on this opportunity that we have next year versus the company that called the day the RFP hit, and this actually happened, the day the RFP hit the street and asked if we could make it a small business set aside. And the difference between those two is huge because in that, the previous question, it was about knowing your customer, knowing the user, knowing how the whole process works from their perspective. What this question is about is understanding how is your relationship with the, with the business folks, with the, with the CEO, the contract specialist, the pricers, all the folks who are touching the business side of the contracts. You've got to touch them both. Otherwise, you end up with gaps in your capture process. And it's hard to touch all those people. There's a lot that you'll never get to. You're not really going to be able to touch the government pricing evaluators. But some of the people that you're talking about, it's not just the contracting officer. When you talk about the business folks, in a lot of offices, those are contractors as well. Those are the the CETAs, the systems engineering technical assistance folks that provide program office support. Very influential people that you should be reaching out and touching to learn this kind of stuff. All right, one more question. Does your small business status allow you to bid on this RFP? That's kind of binary. Right. But here's the next here's the next part. Did you influence the socioeconomic set aside or lack of it for this requirement? Right. That's the part. That counts. If you said, I'm a small business and I can do this, and they decided to set it aside for small businesses, especially if it's a niche small business, you know, a small disadvantaged business or something, then you have a really good idea that they kind of want you, that, that you have a chance to win. Because yeah, the answer you're looking for on this one is number five, which is we influenced the set aside process to ensure it stayed a small business or, or became a small business set aside that fits our company. The answer you don't want is, once again, we just found this on FBO, and we don't know why it would set, be set aside for a small business. But, but since it was set aside, we're, we're going to bid it. It's a set aside. We're, we're allowed to bid. Yeah, there you go. That's a good summary of the questions that you ask your clients to ask themselves as they're going through the qualification process. And we didn't, we didn't get into, into all the answers and all how it's scored. But I want to point out there are many, many ways to do this. You don't have to do it any specific way, but you need to have some type of process for qualifying opportunities. And the process that's available to our clients is called the RFP score. We need to link this to the time zones. This is in the acquisition time zones. You're doing this qualification in the requirement zone and the market research zone, hopefully before the RFP is released in the RFP zone. Now let's focus on why this is so important. We start out by saying, too many opportunities to target is overwhelming. Both government and industry are affected by this. Too many targets means too many proposals, which means too many proposals to evaluate, which means too, act too much activity that creates drag on the overall acquisition process and slows down the whole system. Right. It's not just contractors having too many things. Ah, I don't know what to bid. It's the government having too many proposals, a surprising number of proposals to evaluate. From the government side, three, three proposals is the magic number. That's what we're shooting for. We want three proposals. And only three. The three most qualified companies. The government wants to release enough information to incentivize companies or offers to target opportunities that are a fit for them, to help them qualify ruthlessly. If the government team knows what the potential offers are using to qualify these opportunities, well, they can communicate those things more clearly, which is why 7.105 is so useful. So if the government knows the yes or no criteria that, that many offers are using to decide whether or not to bid, they can make that clear 
very early in the process. So if the government is looking to make it a small, disadvantaged, woman-owned business set aside, release that immediately as soon as you make that decision. And a whole sea of potential offers will stop calling your phone all day long. Yeah, because once that decision is made, just post it and then own it. Because it, it will it will qualify and disqualify lots of companies. And the reason I'm foot stomping this is from the government perspective. I didn't realize this, that when someone's asking for this information, the reason that they want it is they're trying to qualify or disqualify. And you want them to do that. Right. And I was all about, you'll find out when the RFP comes out. Just wait. I'm not sharing any information ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be it's going to it's going to be one great reveal. It's yeah. like, no, it can be lots of small reveals. That will speed up the process and make the acquisition go faster. From the industry side, I care about that as well. I care about the faster acquisition, but I care about getting those small reveals along the way because I'm constantly asking these qualification questions as new information comes out. And when the one comes out that says it's for a small disadvantaged business and I'm a large business, that's where I stop. Or when the evaluation criteria says that they're going to use a transition plan and you don't have one and it's due in two weeks. <laughs> that happens, right? So put those things out sooner so that industry can adapt. Industry's proposal writing budget is limited. You can't possibly bid on everything. There's not enough time. There's not enough money. There's not enough people. You have to use your proposal writing budget wisely. The more quality information you have from the government, the better you can qualify. Industry has to make hard decisions about which opportunities to bid. And a lot of times it's, what do I have the best chance to win over opportunities that I really want to win because it's some really sexy work that seems great? When you use a structured approach to qualify opportunities, you get rid of some of that bias that leads you to things that you really want to do but don't have a lot of chance to win versus things that you can do that you have a really good chance to win. This is so important because finding opportunities is not going to be the problem. It's filtering them. It's picking the five. And, and you, I like how you said it's hard. It's a hard decision. It's really hard to walk away from something that even if it's something that, that pick a reason, whatever the emotional reason that you want to have, it's a hard decision to say no. Like talking about the very many topics that we could cover in this podcast. We're saying no to that. <laughs> we're going to keep going. Exactly. We're saying no and we're going to stop here. <laughs> we're going to say no to rambling on for once and wrap this up. It is hard to walk away from opportunities. And that's really what we're doing. Qualifying is you're saying no to something. Uh, and remember, from the targeting, it's not about what it'll get you. It's about what it'll cost you. If you think about targeting from that perspective, then add qualifying, which it's not about what it should be, what the, what the RFP should say or what the opportunity should be. It's your assessment of what it will be. And if that RFP is not something you can win, even though it's work you can do, even though it's work you want to do, even though it's with a customer you'd love to have, if that RFP is not going to be structured in such a way that you can win, you have to disqualify it. And that it, it's hard. That's why you need a structured approach to do it. Yeah, big companies have lots of people and formal processes to qualify opportunities. Little companies sometimes struggle because they don't have any structured process. And they get that ADD thing going on where, oh, look at this, look at this, let's do that, let's do this, we could do this, we could do that. Not a great way to, to run a business, but it's, it's very common and very understandable. Yeah, we do that in the podcast sometimes. <laughs> and, and a good number of our customers who are mid-sized companies, you know, 20 million, 200 employees still use a, a qualified system. They use RFP score because 
it keeps them from chasing shiny objects. The, the smaller, not, not small like startup, but the smaller your company is, the more nimble you are, the easier it is to chase lots of stuff that's not a fit for you. Since we spent a lot of time plugging the RFP score, you might as well tell them how to learn more about it. To get help from our team with your targeting or qualifying and to learn more about the RFP score specifically, just go to askskyway.com and schedule a time to talk to me and love to hear from you. That is a blatant plug, which we don't usually do, but I think apropos here. All it right. fits. Let's do it. All right. I'll talk to you later, Kevin. I see you, Paul. Okay, that's it for this episode. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, you can also join us in the Government Contracting Podcast Network and LinkedIn. We'll see you there. Yeah.